When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcasts. And now you can subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Head to Empire Media, hit that subscribe button if you like to also watch the interviews. That's Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. Today, I'm joined by former NFL team president, Joe Banner, as we discuss his take on the Carson Wentz deal. Banner is an ex-Eagles president, but he left there after the 2012 season, so he's been gone a decade. He was not there when Wentz arrived. He also knows Ron Rivera and Juan Castillo quite well, having worked with them for a while in Philadelphia. I wanted to bring Banner on because I want to be balanced in the whole Wentz situation, knowing that there are strong opinions about whether he'll work or not in Washington. It's important to hear all sides so you can be informed. That's what I'm doing here. I see the talent. I hear the questions. We'll discuss all for the next six months. I'm not doing my job if we don't discuss all facets. We also discuss team building and the approach he thinks is the right one in trying to build a winner. He echoes something Ron Rivera has said a few times, that the third year is when you should take that big jump in most cases, if you've been doing it right. It's why Banner is not a fan of what Jacksonville has done, viewing that as a temporary game. You can follow Joe on Twitter at JoeBanner13. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about the process Washington followed that led them to Carson Wentz. Doesn't mean it'll be great, but it's the work Rivera and company put in to get there. One key part that people have harped on is Rivera meeting with Joe Gibbs. I know Ben Standing from The Athletic had mentioned their meeting a few weeks ago and digging into it, I wanted to find out why and what they discussed. So I knew early on that they were talking about quarterbacks, that a big part of their conversations were about quarterbacks. If you read the story, you will see that Rivera wanted to know from Gibbs what his process was in finding a quarterback, how they went about their search back in the day, traits that Gibbs looked for in a quarterback, etc. What Gibbs did not do, discuss current quarterbacks and ones he felt Washington should go after. Washington has a slew of scouts and coaches that can determine who they like and who fits. With Gibbs, it was merely one coach reaching out to a Hall of Fame coach with ties to this organization to pick his brain. It's what coaches do all the time. If Gibbs had said, go out and get Wentz, I would say, don't listen. That's not what happened. I'll be honest. I was somewhat amazed at how many people took it a different way than how it was actually, than how it actually played out. Now, I will also say it's not as if Gibbs was always hitting on these great quarterbacks. What he did do is find quarterbacks who could operate within his system, who had great talent around them. That's how they won. But it's also why Gibbs had to change 
quarterbacks a lot. Still, few new team building better than Gibbs. He knows people. It's why he's a Hall of Famer in two different sports. So, yes, pick his brain. It would be dumb not to. But they do want fans to consider how exhaustive these process, this process was. They even considered Andrew Luck, wondering if he might reconsider retirement. They dove into his analytics just in case. Of course, he's not coming out of retirement and never will. What you have to hope with Wentz is that River, that Rivera and company don't enter this marriage and think they can change him. As Gibbs would say when others would tell him he could change a guy. Gibbs, and I remember talking to Gibbs about this when he came back. He's, he, he would say, this guy's been this way for 20-some years. What makes you think I can change him in one? The answer, you don't. So be aware of who you have and hope to heck you make it work with this locker room, with the talent around him, and with this staff. I know Rivera talked with Doug Peterson and Frank Reich quite a bit leading into this trade as well. I'm quite positive that he did not just hear plaudits. I know he didn't hear just plaudits. So have your eyes wide the hell open. Rivera even told me that Reich called him after the trade to congratulate him and and said that he had loved working with Carson. I've heard from people that Reich didn't want to trade. Is that accurate? I don't know for sure because I haven't heard it from Reich himself. So just take that as a forward it's worth. I've heard it from more than just people inside Washington's building. Also, I told you last time that the players here are confident because of how they perceive their locker room as a, a mature, not, not just mature, but guys who are in a different place in life. A lot of married guys um, Terry McLaurin, not a guy who's a strong-willed personality, just a true pro. And I ran that by someone who was with Wentz in Philly about how he got placed in a locker room full of stronger vet personalities. And their comment was, don't you want your quarterback to be able to handle that if he's that kind of guy? I'm sure some can right away. Maybe Wentz couldn't. But that was the sentiment there. So there's a lot of facets to it. Some people will look at it and say, hey, this is why this place is better for him. Other people clearly look at it and say, if you're that kind of, if you're a strong leader, if you're that kind of quarterback, you handle it regardless. We'll find out lots of speculation over the next six months. So again, take this for what it's worth today. It's just, it's, a, it's an opinion. You need to be informed about what Washington has. Now on the JD McKissick front, Buffalo GM Brandon Bean was upset because Washington came back after they had agreed with McKissick and got him to change his mind. Remember, no contracts could be signed at this point. One Buffalo reporter quoted an anonymous source as saying the coaches even called McKissick, the Washington coaches called McKissick to congratulate him on his deal. I haven't heard that. I'm just passing that information along because who knows, this is kind of a crazy situation. But I did talk to one longtime agent who has dealt with both teams over the years, and he said what Washington did is very commonplace. In fact, one time he had a client who went elsewhere and Washington tried to do the same thing. His client ignored the calls. So when I asked his agent about if he had heard what Bean said, he replied, yeah, but all teams do that. Washington has not done a free agency. In the past, they've been more active from this point and beyond. One name to watch, defensive tackle star Lotu Lely, a former Panther who was cut by Buffalo and remains on the open market. My understanding is that he's had a few teams call him. I'd be shocked if this isn't one of them. And again, he provide he would provide the depth that they need that they're going to need, having lost Tim Settle and Matt Ioannidis. They need more line depth. They knew there would be cuts, of course. And I still say 
They slow played it with Settle and lost him when they didn't need to. He could have and would have stayed had they either made some cuts before the tampering period or had they informed him his play playtime here would increase. But Settle landed in a very good spot for him. So he's in, he's in a really good spot. But they just couldn't come close to the, they didn't they weren't able to come close to the to the Buffalo deal. That's my understanding. Anyway, if Washington matched that Bills offer, I'm guessing he probably would have come back, but I don't know for sure. Finally, on, on Anheuser-Busch ending its ties with the franchise, one a, a sponsorship that goes back a long time. No reason was given as to why that happened. I can't say for sure that it's because of the Dan Snyder investigation, nor can I say that it isn't. It might be. It also might be that this team just doesn't draw well enough anymore to make it worthwhile. I don't know. Again, Anheuser-Busch did not give a reason. There are five other teams that do not have sponsorships with Anheuser-Busch for whatever reason. Anheuser-Busch's statement did not mention, again, it did not mention a reason. It was, if it was because of Snyder, then yes, it would be nice to hear them say that as a way of supporting those who feel they were wronged here. Then again, that might open them to having to sever ties with other teams too, based on player or owner transgressions. I believe they have a deal with Cleveland. Will they cut ties now that the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson? They have ties with Pittsburgh, whose quarterback that had, who just retired, Ben Roethlisberger, was accused of rape by two women seven months apart, you know, years, a few, more, you know, years ago, but still. The list goes on. The New England Patriots, owner Bob Kraft. The Chiefs are sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, yet have Tyreek Hill and Frank Clark, both who have been charged with assault or domestic violence. The point is, if it's just a matter of them sticking it to Snyder, well, there's a long list of other teams whose situations have been ignored um, by the company. So I, that's why I say I don't know what the real reason is. It could well be that they just say this franchise isn't worth dealing with anymore. I don't know. But we all know the way to force change is to get sponsors behind you. I do wonder how many national sponsors will follow suit knowing they'd have to cut ties maybe with other teams too, if they do it for certain reasons. Also, let's see if this team replaces that sponsor or other national brands, or again, if other national brands start pulling out as well. Something to watch because just, I'm not going to assume for now that I know the exact reason. We all know how this looks. We all know how it looks. But as laid out, as I laid out, there are other situations that did not result in the same action. But we also know that it wasn't when the, when the sponsors started getting involved in the name change, that's when action took place with the name. Um, is that going to happen here? I think it's still a little bit early to say that. But again, something that bears watching. The story is not over. Finally, it was a sad weekend for our industry as we learned on Friday that legendary reporter John Clayton had died. One highlight for me at ESPN was getting to know him. We talk every few months just about the state of this team or the league or whatever. And I look forward to those calls. I love those calls. He was always gracious and helpful and was a guest on my podcast several times. Once I taped it via Zoom and for some reason it didn't save. To say the least, I was pissed. And also, I hate going back to a guy and saying, could you tape this again for me? I did because I knew what kind of guy I was and I had a good relationship with him. So I explained it to him. And he right away, willingly and graciously said, yeah, sure, we'll record it again. Let's just do it in two days. I have time. Didn't bat an eye at that. He was a very proud citizen of Seattle, too. The last time Washington was there, he called me a couple times before, before the game and recommended a couple of different restaurants. 
one of which I took him up on and ordered the duck as he had suggested, and it was fantastic. Then he told me which restaurant I should hit before going to the airport for my red-eye back. That too was excellent. And then he called me the day after to see how I liked it. It's just, that's, that's kind of how he was. His knowledge of the game and the sport was fantastic because he lived for this stuff, talking to people all the time. He was a great, in terms of being a reporter, a great role model for many, many people. But he was popular because he didn't put on airs and was willing to help anyone. I am going to miss him. Anyway, that's enough from me. After this break, I'll be back with former NFL team president, Joe Banner. He throws some cold water on the Carson Wentz trade. Not saying it won't work, but he, there are some definite red flags for him. But listen to why he's high on Ron Rivera and Juan Castillo. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strength for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. And we thank BlueChew for being a sponsor of our show. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Joe Banner. Well, Joe, before before we get into some of the um, big stuff in the league, Devontae Adams, the Deshaun Watson situation, I do want to start with Washington because that's a team I cover, and you obviously know this division well. Getting Carson Wentz, I'm curious, I'll just start there. What did you think of that trade? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been critical of the trade, and I should put it in context to be fair. I mean, I was a big fan of Carson's. I thought they were smart to pick him. I thought they were smart in Philadelphia to give him the extension. And I thought he had a chance to turn things around in Indy. So I just may be totally wrong about Wentz. So. <laughs> but, um, you know, as I watched him play, what changed my mind was just his um, – he seems to have lost his confidence. I thought maybe going back with Frank Reich would change that, but it didn't. I think you have to realize I consider the Eagles and Colts two of the smarter front offices in the league. And the Eagles were willing to spend $30 million cap dollars to not have him on their team. 
I mean, that's a pretty incredibly strong statement to me about just how challenging the situation must be. Once the Colts decided to trade him, they took the same risk. Now, they got compensation, so it didn't go that way. But they could have eaten $28 million of guaranteed money rather than have him on the team. So I'm influenced by watching the tape, which I still think wasn't good last year, and the fact that what I consider to be two smart teams with smart offensive coaches decided they would rather take a huge cap hit than have him on the team. I can't just dismiss that and think there isn't some significant issues that are explaining it. Can, when you look at Wentz, knowing, watching, having watched him, and can he turn it, do you feel like he can turn it around? I mean, I, and you, you're right, like those are two good organizations and all that, and this team hasn't had that level of success, obviously. Do you feel like there's still hope for him to turn it around? Well, I don't want to say there's no hope. I mean, in terms of raw talent and the ability to make, I mean, I've been saying he's going to make some spectacular plays. He's just going to go, wow. He's going to have some games in which you're going to believe, oh, we found the guy. I mean, that's who he is. But I believe as you put together the whole 17 games, are you going to look back and go, wow, that was the right move? Or, hey, we've got our guy for the future. At this point, I'm going to be surprised if we're saying yes to that. But listen, these are all subjective judgments. Sure. They could be wrong. They, maybe Scott Turner and Ron can find, you know, the, whatever it is that makes him tick in a way that it's, it's more successful than it's been. But if I'm looking at my crystal ball and making a prediction based on what I've seen, I, I, I'd be concerned, especially now that as we've seen what evolved, did they move too quickly once they didn't get Russell Wilson? Because, you know, if a Matt Ryan comes on the market, that would have been like the perfect answer. And, and you know, there's a couple of other things out there that could also. I mean, I, I'm actually a Mariota fan. And would it be better to have him at virtually no money and no compensation or whence? So these are all questions that, as, we, as we've seen, to be fair, they couldn't have known this at the time. But as we've seen what's played out, could have changed the outcome. One of the things that in talking to Ron Rivera, he said that one thing that influenced him was that he got good feedback from Doug Peterson and Frank Reich. I mean, listen, Frank Reich obviously went to bat for him. He said that publicly in Indianapolis and then was at least willing to go along with him being traded, if not, you know, being in favor of it. Doug was still in Philly when things started to go south with with Carson. So uh, and listen, people in the league don't like bad-mouthing other people, whether it's coaches or players. I mean, these are dreams come true. These are all human beings. They all have families. Um, and I'm not saying that they weren't honest. I just think that the picture is more complex right. than what they painted. I mean, Indy, we sit here, and Indy still desperately needs a quarterback. Right. So either there's some massive division in the building, or Frank agrees with Chris and apparently the owner that they were better off moving on from Carson even before they had an answer as to who's next. To get the max play out of him, is it with with Carson? Is it about um, you know? Is, I don't want to say making him feel wanted because I think that's a little bit too um, basic. But like, what what does he need to be successful in your eyes? What would you do as an organization? Yeah, and this is what makes me nervous. My answer is what the Colts did last year: have a really strong offensive line, run plays where the ball gets out as quickly as you can. That's where he gets into trouble when the ball comes out late at least have the defense know that if you want to, you can run the ball really well at any time. Those are the kinds of things that he needs to do to be successful. He's not going to be the leader. He can be a leader. Okay. And, and that distinction is something that coach needs to be aware of from the day he comes in, because you do need player leadership right. to be successful in the NFL. Oftentimes that comes from a quarterback and Carson has the personality where that can be him. 
but he's actually been a little bit more divisive than a bring everybody together guy. Maybe his fault or not. It may be fair or not, but that is the reality of the history. So I would, if I were Ron, I would do those same things and uh, just hope, you know, another year of kind of learning lessons, learning from mistakes, gaining experience, uh, that we could execute that even better than the Colts did. And I think that would give him the best chance to be the best he can be. When you look at the NFC East, how does he stack up with these other quarterbacks? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's uh, one of the weakest quarterback divisions we've ever seen. I mean, Dak is, is very good, but he's not, I don't think he's elite. And I consider all of the other quarterbacks people that there's questions as to whether they can even be quality starters or solid starters in the NFL. The difference here is, I think if you take like a Hertz or Daniel Jones and they're well coached, you're not going to have a great offense but you also won't be leaving your defense in bad positions yeah. frequently. And that's where Carson, you have a real risk with Carson of that. I know his TD to interception ratio was pretty good last year, but he had some drop balls. He had some very timely mistakes that, you know, really hurt them. Um, he struggled against pressure. Um, so even though last year's numbers look good there, I still consider him a high risk as a potential high turnover quarterback. And to me, that makes him, uh, more risky than the other quarterbacks, even though other than Dak, there's none of them that any of us would want to build a team around. You know Ron Rivera pretty He was in Philly with you. What, what are your yep. thoughts on him? And Juan Castillo was as well, I think, during your whole time there. So what are your thoughts on those two guys just as coaches? Now, I have very high regard for both of those guys. I mean, Ron was in, I mean uh, Juan was in a slightly different role in, in uh, who he was coaching here. I mean, these are really high-character people, high-integrity, credible work ethic, really love the idea of teaching players coaches like to call themselves teachers and those guys you really see why they think that I mean I think that from that perspective I mean the team is in good shape I mean the type of leadership you need from your head coach the ability to motivate the players kind of being able to think kind of from a macro strategic perspective I and mean, Ron is really good at all those things so I've said it from the day they hired him I thought it was a very good hire and uh, I, I think that will prove to be the case at the end. I think he's actually done a solid job, even though they haven't won as many games as right. you'd hope in the first two years. But for me, it's always been year three. If you're a GM or head coach, that's when, if you've been doing things right, it's going to start to really show up in year three. So this is the test. This is the year those guys, and Ron in particular, are going to have to prove that the foundation they've been laying over the last two or three years is now starting to show on the field, and we're starting to win a lot more games. From the outside, do you see that ability here? And, and I guess the other thing along with that is for all that you say about Carson, how much of an upgrade is he? Is he enough of one to get them to a certain spot? Yeah, listen, I, I mean, I, again, I'm trying to be kind of nice and not to, but I, I, yeah, struggle, no, to, yeah. I see, struggle to see Carson being able to lead them to that yeah. next level. But, you know, that's where we'll see. They obviously disagree with that. And the raw talent, he's outstanding. But if they're going to do it, I think they're going to do it with a little bit more conservative offense than what Carson's been in and with a really aggressive defense and kind of play the game in a more conservative, some may say more old fashioned way. Um, and that would give them the best chance. And, and again, the division is still weak. I mean, I do think the teams are improving, but the division is still weak. So to rule anybody out at this point would be a mistake. Also, when you're building a team. How important during free agency is this second, I guess, the so-called second wave? And what would be your philosophy toward building a team during, you know, with, I guess, the free agency period and how you would handle? Yeah, listen, this, the second wave is uh, there, there are a few areas in football, even with the uh, 
increased amount of movement and trade and use of analytics and all this kind of stuff. There are a couple of markets in the NFL that are still very inefficient. And by that, I mean, they're good opportunities to find players that can make a difference without a lot of cost. And this is one of them. I mean, there was a stretch where I think it was five or six years in a row, a, uh, there was at least one player in the top 10 in getting sacks who was a veteran player who had signed late in free agency for not very much money. So just think about that top 10. I mean, we have probably 70, 80 outside pass rushers playing probably 30, 40% or more. And we have somebody signed in the second tier of free agents who's in the top 10 in sacks the following season. Uh, that and undrafted free agents. These are both places you can get players that can make a difference without using up assets. And when I say assets, I'm talking about draft picks and cap room. And, you know, there's only 22 starters. If you find just one of those, that's 5% of your team. If you find two of those, that's 10% of your team. That can really, really make a difference. And uh, especially as teams, you know, we start to see the quarterbacks that are getting paid so much money. How can we win with a really expensive quarterback? You better be exploiting the markets we're talking about. The second tier free agency, the undrafted free agents, the late draft picks. You've got to have some hits there. And then you can still win a Super Bowl with a quarterback making $40 million a year. But if you're not taking advantage of those markets that are very team friendly, it's going to be very hard to win with a really expensive quarterback. Can you tell when a team is panicking in free agency? And I mean, and I guess I'm looking at like a Jacksonville because they're spending, they spend a ton of money right away. Do you look yeah. at that as strategy or, or panic or how do you view that? A uh, mistake. Okay. <laughs> so we can decide whether it was a panic mistake or not, but a mistake. I mean, you know, listen, there's a long history. Um, and if you spend the time studying, and it was one of the things I did because I felt kind of guiding the philosophy of how to build the team was part of my job. And, you know, when I was at the Eagles was looked upon in, in that way. You know, coaches, I mean, Bill Belichick won five games in his first year as head coach in New England. Andy Reid won five games in his first year as a head coach, you know, in Philadelphia. Uh, Bill Parcells at the Giants won three games his first year. You know, Sean McDermott looked like a mistake after his first year as a head coach. So, I, I just don't understand the notion of going all in, and I'm exaggerating that term a little bit, in the first year of a new administration. Um, what I'd like to do if I'm building a team is make a little progress in year one because we want to get people to believe we're on the right track and we want to make it more desirable place for free agents to possibly sign and possibly hire coaches to come and feel really secure about where they're coming. In year two, I want to get a little bit more aggressive and start to lay more of the foundation to what I think are the most important areas. By year three, as I said earlier, we're talking about Ron, I should be able to demonstrate what they've done in Jacksonville, for example, is the money that they're going to need in year three to keep the good players they have and start to re-sign the draft picks. They're hopefully they're hitting on at a higher rate. They're spending in year one. Right. And if you want to show a big improvement from year one to year two, you do what Jacksonville's doing. They'll win a lot more games this year than they did last year. And they'll be applauded for it, and people will think they're on the right track. But history says, and by the way, I don't say this is it's absolute. There are exceptions to this. But history says your best chance of winning is to gradually, in year one and two, add pieces, especially young pieces that can still be there in year three, four, and five. And then when you get to, like, the third year, now you're starting to really get aggressive about trying to move up the ladder within the league. So for me, they both overpaid some of the players they signed, and they're relying way, way too much on free agency and too early for that improvement, which will be good for 2022. But when we start looking at where they should be in 2024, it's going to be a lot harder for them to succeed at that point. Last thing, um, Devontae Adams, 
that whole trade with between Green Bay and the Raiders. You know, I'm, I'm surprised, like everybody else, we were all under an impression that turned out not to be true about how bad he wants to be in Green Bay, how matched him and, and Rodgers were. That said, I'm not in the school that the Packers screwed this up. Um, listen, in a perfect world, Adams would have been happy, signed a contract, everything good to go, let's go forward. Um, but I don't rule out the possibility that they can take the $20 million in cap and cash that they now have, plus a first and second round pick, and actually be better than they would. I mean, I'll just give a hypothetical for me. If they went out and signed the Travis Landry tomorrow, use that first round draft pick on a wide receiver, have to be right about the selection, obviously, and then sign like a tight end like Hooper. So I've got Landry, a first round pick, and Hooper. I'm as good or better than when I had Adams in my mind. Now I'm running a different offense. It's not as targeted towards a difference-making wide receiver. It's more of a diversified offense. Um, and by the way, they have two very good running backs. So I'm not worried at all that the Packers are still in a position where they can have an exceptionally good offense and maybe keep a few other players on defense that help that defensive side keep up with the offense. So I think it would be interesting to watch. I actually think in hindsight, and I'm betting on the GM here making the right selections with the assets that he got, but I think in hindsight, we can actually think that the Green Bay Packers made the right move here, even though at the moment the narrative is the Packers screwed this up and what a great move by the Raiders. The Raiders have a very short window with the new coach now, and the Packers at least have the opportunity to more than replace Adams. And I don't say that with any disrespect to him. I agree that he's the best and the top couple of best wide receivers in the league. But if you give me those three players, a Jarvis Landry type player, a first round draft pick and a, and a better upgrade at tight end, I'm, I'm not worried at all that that offense can score a lot of points. Joe, I appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you very much. No, my pleasure. Good being with you, John. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. It is that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIND, K-E-I-M. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code KIND this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and over restrictions apply. See show notes for details. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Joe for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Wednesday. Talk to you next time.